Welcome to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for staff and volunteers in the Red Cross Red Crescent movement working with mental health and psychosocial support services. My name is Jesper Gule and I'm a communications officer working for the IFSC Psychosocial Center. Every year on October 10th, we commemorate World Mental Health Day. It's also an opportunity for the Peer Center to advocate for the importance of mental health. This year's theme is Mental Health is a Universal Human Right. But what does that mean? And how can we in the Red Cross Red Crescent movement promote mental health not as a service offered to the needing, but as a human right for all? To explore this topic, I have invited my colleague Carmen. Welcome to the podcast, Carmen. Thank you. Did you know, Carmen, that you have the longest title in the peer center? I am very aware it's, it's too long. <laughs> you are the co-chair for the Interagency Standing Committee Reference Group for Mental Health and Psychosocial Support in Emergencies. Yes. But you're also responsible for humanitarian diplomacy, policy and advocacy at the peer center. And I know that mental health and human rights is a topic that you care for a lot. Yeah, indeed. So let me start by asking you, why is mental health um human rights issue? Um, it's, it's a great first question. I think most of us would maybe see mental health from one angle or another. Ourselves in the Red Cross, for example, we can see it as service. Like we, we see that there's a fundamental lack of services for people with mental health conditions. But that's just one angle in which mental health is related with human rights. We also see in many communities, for example, uh, gross violations of human rights where persons with mental health conditions might be chained or tied to a tree or not uh, not being provided well uh, support um, in services. We still have all over the world services that are not respectful of the rights of persons with mental health conditions. Um, and even in a daily stigma and discrimi discrimination that people with mental health conditions suffer, all of these angles are in one way or another speaking of the lack of access to fundamental rights that we should all have. And so you talk about uh, human rights violations. Can you elaborate, please? Yeah, absolutely. There is, um, I think, a very interesting way to look at how many of these violations occur is to go back to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. It's an exercise that I really like to do when I when I talk about this topic. And if we go over the declaration, you can start realizing how many of these fundamental rights are actually not accessible if you have a mental health condition, especially if it's a severe mental health condition. Um, so starting, for example, with um, just having equal access to freedom of movement, for example, persons with mental health conditions might find themselves often recluded or secluded in institutions that don't allow them to move freely. Um, another fundamental right is being free from coercion and violence. But again, many persons with mental health conditions, either in the hands of other communities or in the hands of institutions, might actually suffer a lot of neglect, a lot of violence, um, just uh, not, uh, yeah, um, uh, neglect and violence, um, Um, for example, another article of the Human uh, Declaration is access to health. Um, we know that at least 85% of persons with mental health conditions in low and middle income countries don't have access to the treatment that would improve their condition and then give them access to all of the other rights. 
Um, we know organizations are very shy in hiring people with mental health conditions. So the fundamental right to work is also violated. And we also have a very um, limited access to the fundamental right of legal capacity and, and equality before the law. Uh, so those are just some of the examples. If one goes over the declaration, you will realize, wow, actually, most of the fundamental rights of human beings are not accessible for someone with, with a mental health condition. The issue of recognition before the law seems to be underestimated and not fully understood. Can you further elaborate on this? Yes. Um, this is one of the rights that maybe we tend to oversee and and we tend to not realize how deep the the violation of this right can run. Um, so legal recognition uh, or equal recognition before the law and legal capacity basically means that we all have access to the same rights, the same access to to law and legislation. And this covers a, a very big spectrum of issues. This is uh, anything from being equal before the law, if one has uh, any issue with criminality or uh, anything like that. But it also has to do with uh, legal capacity that allows us to sign contracts, allows us to get married, allows us to buy a house. Uh, it's basically uh, legal capacity can come down to daily um, decision making. So when we look at access to Uh, legal rights, um, we can see in general persons with disabilities have struggled to have this legal capacity recognized. This is why the UN Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities protects um, these, these rights. Um, so through this convention, all other disabilities have improved their access to this right. But this is a still a big issue for people with mental health conditions. The reason is that um, we have still a lot of hesitancy to fully recognize legal, legal capacity because there are circumstances where the mental capacity of persons with mental health conditions might be affected. So when a person is having a very acute um, um, episode or when they're going through a very difficult moment, their capacity to make decisions might be somehow affected. So as governments and as institutions, we decide to remove that right so we can make decisions for them. We can decide to give them a treatment that they might be needing. We, we decide the, to do something to avoid that they harm themselves or others. So as advocates for, for human rights, we do recognize that the mental capacity can be affected. But what we are uh, trying to protect is the legal capacity. Mental capacity might be affected, but that doesn't mean that we can continue to do what we do, which is remove the legal capacity, go into guardianship of al allowing another person to make decisions and make that a very permanent situation where the person from that moment onwards doesn't have any control on their own decisions. They don't have a say on their treatments. They don't have a say on where they want to live, if they want to be admitted or not in hospital. And down the line, those are the things that I was saying, such as getting married or, or signing a contract on a house. So it has a very deep impact. And still, in most countries, uh, legal capacity gets completely removed from people with mental health conditions as soon as they go through a crisis. So let me return to my uh, original question. What can we do with this linkage between um, mental health and human rights? What can we do to ensure 
access to uh, to mental health uh, services for? I think this is a great question because we can definitely join forces or we actually need to join forces. This is not an issue that can be just done by one of us. It has to come together with governments, with organizations and, and with us as individuals. Um, so I guess um, I would break it through in that way and, and I would start with governments um, having a responsibility to go back to their own legislation and their own uh, laws, review them, first of all, to make sure that they, if they are not yet signatories of the Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, that they do so and that they monitor uh, their their implementation of this convention. Um, in addition to that, actually in the coming month, the uh, World Health Organization is going to launch a very important tool, a guidance to support countries on reviewing and uh, getting up to date the legislation and policy related to mental health. So that's something the governments can also look into. Um, and then once we have that legal framework that allows us to protect the rights of persons with uh, psychosocial disabilities and mental health conditions, then it comes down to the society and what can we do to, to protect those rights. As organizations, and this uh, also, of course, um, is the same for us in the Red Cross movement, um, we have to do much more in making sure that we are inclusive. So actively trying to integrate persons with mental health conditions in our offices, offering jobs that are accessible, doing things such as uh, reasonable accommodations that allow a person with a disability to do small modifications on the daily work to make them um, or make facilitate the, the work. Um, create environments where mental health is acknowledged. So it's not only about having more persons with mental health conditions hired is about making sure that we all uh, benefit from a much more well-being centered workspace. Um, so number of hours, making sure that persons have access to mental health care, making access to health and access to mental health equal. We still have in many uh, contexts a, a subtle but very clear difference between asking for a few days um, because of a health issue and asking of a few, for a few days for a mental health issue. Um, so making those changes where organizations are um, full on board of mental health care and well-being is going to already be a big difference. Um, and I think this is very important for us in the Red Cross because we are a very big organization or group of organizations with a very big heart for volunteering, for caring for others. And that can come hand in hand with a lot of not caring for ourselves and, and over excess, uh, overworking and uh, dedicating maybe too much time and not so much to ourselves. So having a culture of well-being is very important. And then it comes down to us as individuals, what can we do? And I think that is probably the most valuable of all of the things that we can do. We can advocate, we can be very strong voices in recognizing that we all have mental health conditions uh, in our lives in one way or another. We know one in 10 people will encounter any form of mental health condition in their lives. So speaking about it, normalizing it, acknowledging when other people need support and, and making them feel that, of course, it's absolutely fine to talk, to speak up, to share our concerns for mental health issues. 
and then to ask for accountability for our governments, from, from our local government to the central government, to our organizations, to our communities, and make sure that we are all joining voices in this big effort of, of mental health, not only as um, to request for services, but to request for the full recognition of all the rights that any human being should have. And as we were saying, not necessarily everybody with a mental health condition have. Thank you very much, Carmen. I, I think this is very, very interesting. I also realized during our uh, talk that we have a very long way to go. Yeah, absolutely. We've gone a long way, which is fantastic. There's a lot of tools. There are many, many governments that are reviewing their mental health laws and legislation. Uh, organizations are looking in, inwards a lot and they're starting to offer much more care for the well-being of the employers. But that very big shadow of the stigma and discrimination of really not seeing everybody with a mental health condition as any other human being, it's still there and we indeed have a very long way to go. You've been listening to Heartbeat of Humanity, a podcast series for Red Cross, Red Crescent movement staff and volunteers about mental health and psychosocial support. In this episode, I have talked to Carmen Valletra-Badello about the link between mental health and human rights. You can find more resources about mental health and psychosocial support on the IFRC Psychosocial Center website. Resources include manuals, webinars, policy documents, program materials, educational videos and information about upcoming trainings. My name is Jesper Gule and I hope you enjoyed listening to this Heartbeat of Humanity podcast. Remember that mental health matters. <laughs>